Now, the one who protects us all from prattling prognosticators and perfidious pundits. I say, America, stay out the bushes. Look for the union label. That's the security rights governments are instituted among men, deriving their just powers from the consent of the government. From my cold, dead hands. I'm concerned that if we don't impeach this president, he will get reelected. It's time for the Alan Nathan Show. Here he is, the longest-running nationally syndicated centrist host in the country, Alan Nathan. Welcome, everyone, to the Alan Nathan Show, headquarters of militant moderation, where we want the Republicans out of our bedrooms, the Democrats out of our wallets, and both out of our First and Second Amendment rights. I'm John Hayward, Deputy National Security Editor of Breitbart News, sitting in for Alan today. You know, every time I read Alan's credo, I think that maybe I should throw something else in there at the end that I want everybody to get out of, because I have this list of things that I wish people would get out of. And I really, really, really want the government to stop meddling in a elections. It's getting worse and worse and worse. The government power is being used to influence the electorate, to rewrite the rules of elections, to manipulate the results one way or another. And we could be on the verge of the worst example of that ever, because here we sit trembling on the edge of the precipice. And maybe today, this afternoon, right now, could be when Donald Trump gets arrested and indicted for whatever he supposedly did with paying hush money to a prostitute, a stripper, a porn star, his uh, his whole deal there. So that something that's hanging right over our heads, and it's a blatantly politicized prosecution. Nobody, and I mean nobody, is looking at the case on the table before us and saying, yep, this is airtight. This is absolutely the kind of case that you should bring against a former president of the United States who is a declared candidate for the next election. Now, personally, I'm a little leery of the idea that former presidents, current officials, really, uh, or declared candidates should be somehow immunized against the law, because we went through that with Hillary Clinton, and I thought that was absolutely ridiculous. Hillary Clinton was manifestly guilty of severe offenses pertaining to classified information. She absolutely should have been prosecuted for it. It was an entirely politicized decision not to do it, and when the FBI decided not to get her, even though they had the goods and she pretty clearly guilty. The FBI director said it was a political decision. She is a political candidate. She's running in the election. We're not going to interfere in the election by moving against her for these obvious offenses that would get you or me or anyone else listening to this thrown in jail in one second flat if we had done what Hillary Clinton had done. We were explicitly told that she's untouchable because it's a political election and the FBI didn't want to get involved in that. And so they're going to just give her a pass and use a little discretion to let her go. Well, here we go a couple years later, and now the discretion swings the other way. Here comes this attorney general in New York, elected with George Soros money, and he wants to get Donald Trump, and so he's supposedly getting ready to indict him and order an arrest warrant for him and turn this whole thing into quite the circus. And as I said during the Hillary Clinton thing, I don't really like the idea that just because he's a declared candidate, front runner or not, he, he is, and just because he is one, that doesn't mean he gets a get-out-of-jail-free card. I mean, that should not completely immunize people against being indicted or prosecuted. But on the other hand, you do have to look at the severity of the crime and the nature of the crime that's being investigated, the charges that are being brought. And I think it would be fair to say that if you're going to go after a former president and a political candidate for the top office in the next election, that it's got to be a big, tight 
case. I think it's got to be a slam dunk. It's got to be solid. It has to be serious. If it isn't, then discretion, as we were told again explicitly when Hillary Clinton got her free pass, discretion would say you don't bring it. And that was the absurd thing about Hillary Clinton's little saga, because what she did with her secret email server, with her violation of protocols of top secret information, was directly relevant to her fitness as president. She had no business being in the White House after doing something like that. She was clearly unfit for the job. That was one of many reasons to vote against her, but that one should have been a deal breaker all by itself. Somebody who would do what she did and decide all the rules don't apply to her, and she's going to keep a private server for her emails because she doesn't want to comply with oversight laws. That's the sole reason she did that. It's the only reason anybody knows that she did that. You know, that's that to me is you're out of there. You're, you're not a serious presidential candidate if you do something like that. So it was very relevant to the election to investigate, to prosecute, you know, and, and to act against her. This stuff with Donald Trump and his porn star and hush money and all that, whatever else you can say about him, it's a known quantity. The voters have been aware of this whole story forever. They passed judgment on it during the previous election. He won and he, he may or may not win this time. A lot of people don't like him. It's going to make the people that don't like him like him less. And it's going to make the people that do like him rally around him because they feel he's being persecuted unfairly in a political prosecution. And he obviously is. And that's the problem. That's why I want the government out of our elections. I'll add that to my list of things that we want the Republicans and Democrats to get out of. This whole bit where the government is using its power in various ways to influence and sway elections is really intolerable. And it goes back to 2020, to 2016, the, the Russia collusion hoax, uh, so many examples. The, the government is now actively involved in manipulating elections. They're really not even trying to hide it anymore. And this generally is done to serve the interests of the party of the government, which is the Democrats. The Democrats are the permanent ruling party. Whether they lose elections or not, they are the party of the state. They control the bureaucracy. They don't go anywhere when they lose an election. You don't get to vote against them. They're, they're still there, as Donald Trump found to his sorrow when he moved in and found the whole government lined up and out to get him because they're stuffed with Democrat partisans. These people are the permanent government party, and they are not shy about monkeying with elections in various ways to make sure that they win. And this is another example of doing that, a politicized prosecution clearly designed to influence the outcome of the next election. There's no other reason to be doing this right now other than to mess with Trump. And some Democrats have openly said they, they feel justified in doing whatever it takes to keep Trump out of the office. Our opening montage, every every episode, every hour we come in, our opening montage has a quote, you know, can't let Donald Trump be the president. We, we must not allow that. So, you know, these people have decided he's not a suitable candidate and you shouldn't have a chance to vote for him. And anything that they do to get him is entirely justified. But I think this is all about a little bit more than just keeping Donald Trump out of the White House, because I think it looks pretty clear that a lot of people on the left would like Trump to be the candidate because they think he would lose. They're pretty sure he has too much baggage to possibly win. But more importantly, what they really want is a big fight among the Republicans. And this potential indictment arrest of, of Trump, if it happens, it's going to instantly become the biggest story in the world. And it's going to stay that way for quite a while. And it's going to pit people on the Republican side against each other. It already is. If you stay off social media, I salute your good judgment. It's crazy out there. But if, if you are on social media, uh, you have probably noticed that if you say anything about this potential indictment of Trump, you are going to get mobbed from one side or another of this very heated issue, no matter what you say or do. 
people who are ardent supporters of Donald Trump will attack you if they think you're being insincere, if you're not defending him. How could you not fight fang and claw tooth and nail? How could you not load your guns and prepare for battle when this politicized prosecution is getting ready to take out Donald Trump? What's wrong with you if you're just sitting on the sidelines? But if you are in favor of President Trump and you say so online, you're going to get tackled from the other side and people are going to say, why are you still helping him? He's poison. He cost us all these elections for the last couple of years. He can't win. Why do we want to keep defending him? Why are you defending him when he is so mean to other Republicans? And you're going to get a lot of, uh, if you get tackled from that side, some of the people that take you down to the turf are going to be people that are very fond of other candidates, especially Ron DeSantis, who is not a declared candidate, governor of Florida. A lot of people assume he will be one at some point. And President Trump has been quite vicious to him. And he has some uh, parenthetical involvement in this whole deal because Trump is in Florida. So some of his supporters think DeSantis should thwart any attempt to arrest him somehow as if he had that power. There's arguments about that. But rest assured, you know, if, if you stand up for President Trump and say, this is the moment we must rally around the Donald to protect him from this unfair Democrat prosecution, you are going to hear from people that are fond of, of Ron DeSantis that will say, why should I lift a finger for Donald Trump when him and his people are out there spreading hideous rumors about DeSantis and a preemptive strike to prevent him from being a nominee? All Trump does all day and all night is attack other Republicans. He's not even talking about the Democrats and the left anymore. So why should I get involved with him? That will be what you hear. I mean, I could do a pretty convincing impression of both sides because I've heard it from both sides quite recently, as, as recently as this morning. So I can tell you that this is a hot button issue. And that, I think, is the reason it's going to be done. And I think it's even more useful to the people who are doing this, to the Democrats that are, that are cooking up the scheme, because the charges are vague, because the case is not solid, because it's hard to even put your finger on what law was broken here uh, or say that others do not break it with impunity. There's a long list of, of people who have done what Trump is accused of doing with irregular campaign spending who have gotten a walk all this time. So why is he going to get arrested in what could become the, the arrest of the century, the mugshot of the millennium? You know, why is he getting this treatment? It's obviously highly politicized. And I think the fact that it is vague, that it's shaky, is an asset to this case, because that's going to make the arguments on the Republican side more vicious. People who are already pretty fighting mad about this one way or the other are going to get even angrier because the case is shaky and sloppy. And that's going to make the people that are fans of President Trump, former President Trump, say, see, why can't you guys just get in and fight everybody all on deck to protect Trump from this shaky case? And the others are going to be even angrier and say, why should we throw away our primary and our hopes of beating the Democrats just to protect Donald Trump's. I mean, this is all very carefully calculated. Hasn't even happened yet. It may not happen. So far, it's all just a rumor, but I think there is an agenda behind it. I'm John Hayward, Deputy National Security Editor for Breitbart News. Sitting in for Alan today, we'll be right back with more of The Alan Nathan Show. This message is provided by Beringer Ingelheim. Idiopathic pulmonary fibrosis, or IPF, is one of the more common forms of progressive fibrosing interstitial lung diseases with symptoms including breathlessness during activity, a dry and persistent cough, chest discomfort, fatigue, and weakness. 
There are more than 200 lung disorders that can lead to pulmonary fibrosis, an irreversible scarring of lungs that can negatively impact lung function, quality of life, and may become life-threatening. While approved treatments for people living with these diseases can help slow disease progression, new therapies are needed to help potentially stop progression. Fortunately, there is new research underway to assess the safety and efficacy of an investigational treatment in patients with IPF and other progressive ILDs. This is part of Beringer Ingelheim's Phase 3 global Global Fibronir program. To learn more about Fibronir and eligibility requirements, visit fibronir-ipf.longboat.com and fibronir-ild.longboat.com. This is sponsored by IBM. Job seekers, students, and career changers want to pursue roles in science, technology, engineering, and math, but aren't familiar with career options. At the same time, online training and digital credentials are emerging as a recognized pathway to opportunity. Misconceptions about the cost of training and what's required are often roadblocks to success. To tackle this and bring STEM education closer to underrepresented communities, IBM SkillsBuild is announcing 45 new educational partners. IBM SkillsBuild is a free education program focused on underrepresented communities in tech, helping all develop valuable new skills and access to career opportunities. Justina Nixon St. Till, IBM Chief Impact Officer. Technology training can have a transformational effect on a person's life. IBM is committed to raising awareness of the many roles that exist across industries in science, technology, engineering, and mathematics. IBM Skills Build continues to grow with new partners around the world, working together to scale 30 million people by 2030. For more, skillsbuild.org. Dear John, I was hoping it wouldn't come to this, but you've left me no choice. I'm leaving. Uncontrolled high blood pressure is really serious, and lately you seem to really not care. I've been there for you since day one, and I know you think I'm going to keep ticking. But no, my friend, I can quit whenever I want. Why can't we get back to the good times when we were more active and ate more healthy foods and you checked on me every once in a while? Is that too much to ask? I don't want to leave, but unless you stop ignoring me, what else am I supposed to do? Remember, when I quit, you quit. Sincerely, your heart. Listen to your heart and don't let it quit on you. Doing the minimum to control your high blood pressure isn't doing enough. High blood pressure can lead to a stroke, heart attack, or death. Get your blood pressure to a healthy range before it's too late. For help keeping yours at a healthy range, text PRESSURE to 97779. A message from the American Heart Association, the American Stroke Association, and the Ad Council. The mission of Paralyzed Veterans of America is clear. Accessibility. Veterans who have served and sacrificed the best of themselves deserve access to the best our country has to offer. Access to meaningful employment. Access to the veterans' benefits they've earned. Accessible homes and vehicles. And access to every part of their communities. With PVA staff working inside VA hospitals, no other veterans' organization has provided more real-time Ongoing support for paralyzed veterans and their families. PVA is proud to serve veterans across all branches, all generations, and all conflicts. Our nation's heroes fought for your independence. Join PVA in fighting for theirs at PVA.org. Welcome back to the Alan Nathan Show. 
I'm your guest host today, John Hayward, Deputy National Security Editor at Breitbart News. You can find my work at Breitbart.com, and you can find me on Twitter at DOC underscore zero. Well, President Biden used the first veto of his presidency on Monday to shoot down a Republican proposal that would have interfered with the government's ability to force banks and investors to make their decisions in accordance with ESG philosophy. ESG stands for Environmental, Social, and Governments, basically political correctness. And there are rules and laws in place that strongly incentivize to to the point of basically forcing financial institutions to make decisions based on those things instead of return for shareholders. And we just watched that kind of thinking annihilate Silicon Valley Bank, this this neutron bomb of a bank implosion that may yet bring down the financial system of the world. Stay tuned. It's not over yet. And one of the reasons that that bank blew up is because they were doing this stupid nonsense. They were looking at these political ideological considerations instead of making smart investments, and it, it blew up and took the bank out. So here's Biden vetoing this policy at the exact moment that everybody's waking up to just how dangerous this ESG stuff is and just how immoral and improper it is for the government to force banks to make decisions based on ideology rather than fiscal good sense. Here with us to talk about it is Robert Romano, Vice President of Public Policy at Americans for Limited Government. Welcome aboard the Alan Nathan Show, sir. Oh, it's great to be back, John. Thanks for having me. Well, yeah, this just seems like a terrible time to veto a policy like that one. I, I think most of the country that understands the Silicon Valley bank implosion would wholeheartedly say, absolutely, let's repeal the, these rules. This is ridiculous. And Biden vetoes this thing and defends it. So we're probably going to get more bank collapses thanks to this ESG stupidity. I agree that the ESG rule um, needs to be repealed. Um, the tw- what Biden's doing currently in the 2022 Labor Department regulation, but I would go further and say we need to get rid of the 2020 rule, the 2015 rule, and the 2008 rule by successive uh, administrations, Republican and Democrat, that have applied an all things being equal test consistently through all of the regulations. If you, so even if you got rid of the Biden regulation, you'd go back to the Trump Labor Department regulation. And what it explicitly said was, quote, there are instances where one or more environmental, social or governance factors will present an economic business risk. And then for that reason, quote, this refocusing is an acknowledgement that individual ESG factors can be both pecuniary and non-pecuniary in nature, and that the selection of ESG funds is not per se prudent or imprudent. What the Trump Labor Department was saying was the same thing the Bush Labor Department said, which is that you can use ESG factors, um, but if you're a financial, uh, you know, a pension manager at one of these ERISA-covered pension plans, which is only about one-third, a little bit more than one-third of all of the uh, pensions and uh, retirements nationwide. Uh, It's a $30 trillion market, but ERISA only ever covers the uh, uh, defined benefit and defined contribution employer-based plans. It doesn't cover the individual retirement accounts. That's another chunk. Then it doesn't cover the federal, state, and local municipal uh, pension plans uh, on the government side of the equation, and so forth. That's the other uh, two, uh, 60% or so of the retirement plan. So I don't even believe ERISA is a, is a labor department is capable 
of, of reining in ESG because all it can say is, well, if it makes a profit, it's okay. And ESG has been insanely profitable in many quarters, including in the energy industry. For example, you have a bunch of woke green investors taking over Exxon, and then they restrict oil uh, production. The price goes to the moon um, by design, and they rake in record profits last year. So it's not even a situation where get woke, go broke. I, I think that's a big lie. Um, in fact, they're making money hand over fist because of this. Bloomberg has projected that ESG funds could reach as much as $50 trillion by 2025. But if you take out the greenwashing, other organizations are saying it's more like $21 trillion, But that's still way too much, and it shows what a dominant um, hold this has on not only the U.S. economy, but the global economy. Well, I think also of things like the green energy uh, subsidies, which are titanic, almost inconceivable in scale, that some of these companies are richly profiteering from and delivering nothing of any real value to us. We've spent trillions of dollars on trying to force people to use wind and solar power. And the net effect after all that spending, I think planet, planet-wide globally, 2 or 3%, I think, reduction in carbon is the figure that I've seen for trillions of dollars spent. It's ridiculous. But these companies are profiteering richly from this stuff. And the people that get screwed are you and me. What you're saying is, with this whole setup, is that you've got some companies making tons of money and their investors are making out well, but it's the working American that holds the bag. The taxpayer has to cover all this. We have to furnish all these government subsidies. In the price rigging stuff you talked about, we end up paying more for gas or not having it or being forced to use electric cars we don't want. We're getting the the sharp end of the stick here in every one of these deals, and we're on top of the, the hook for bailouts now. The Silicon Valley Bank is getting a gigantic bailout. It is a bailout. They're trying really hard to say it isn't, but it absolutely is. And that could be the first of many bailouts to come. I agree with that. And yeah, and I think it underscores when there's so much subsidies coming in that a pension administrator, like why would, if you have like a communist takeover of the global economy to get you into some sort of green new deal, would you hire a bunch of accountants and uh, actuaries to stop it or the labor department for that matter? I think not. And I I just don't think ERISA um, could possibly address that. And if all they're looking at is the bottom line, which is all ERISA says, if it's a, if there's a financial interest at stake, then it's okay to invest in this type of stuff. I therefore believe that to address ESG, Trump uh, has spoken about doing an executive order. Should he be reelected again? Um, and I believe that what it should focus on is their Republican AGs are saying this violates antitrust. So you could restrict retirement accounts, all of them, all, 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 all 100% of them, IRAs, 401ks, um, the state and local, the federal um, thrift savings plan from investing in any company that is violating antitrust law on this basis. Additionally, many of these companies are implementing diversity and inclusion agendas, which means racial and gender hiring quotas, which are expressly violate Title VII of the Civil Rights Act. So no investments into companies that do that via retirement, deferred, tax-deferred retirement savings. So I think there are some tools there, um, but it's not necessarily the Labor Department, although you can issue the regulation via there, but you should also do it via the Internal Revenue Service, Treasury, and so forth, the first savings plan um, to deal with those issues. As far as the bank failures go, we spent way too much money. We printed over $6 trillion, a 43% increase in the M2 money supply since February of 2020. $7.5 trillion of new marketable treasuries have put on the market. $3.9 trillion of those was purchased by U.S. financial institutions. Foreign institutions, including central banks, have only bought $600 billion, and the other $3 trillion was the Federal Reserve. Suffice to say, when interest rates, then that was when interest rates were really low. When interest rates went up, the all 
all the all the institutions are left holding the bag. Now, truth is, foreign institutions have already divested about three hundred billion. They were up to nine hundred billion of more exposure since twenty twenty, but they'd already dumped about three hundred billion of treasuries. I imagine to raise cash as interest rates were rising, and you're seeing bank failures overseas now too. So I think it's not merely an issue of what was going on in San Francisco with Silicon Valley Bank. Um, but the receivership program that the FDIC has just revealed is actually a feature of the Dodd-Frank Orderly Liquidation Fund. We were writing about this back in 2010. It's an absolute danger to the private sector. The FDIC can just come in and declare any company to be a financial systemic risk, and they can take it over. And that's exactly what they did. Yeah, taking over sounds like the key phrase here. And some of these ESG rules seem like the opening bid in a long game to take over retirement funds, investment funds entirely. If the government is telling you what you can and can't invest in, it isn't really your money anymore. Once it passes a certain point, now you're just picking from a menu of government-approved options. Robert Romano, Vice President of Public Policy at Americans for Living in Government, thank you for joining us. I'm John Hayward, your guest host today. We'll be right back with more of The Alan Nathan Show. From NAACP Image Award-nominated author Elise Bryant comes a new rom-com about two teens who overcome misconnections and find their way to love. Reggie and Delilah's Year of Falling follows two people who seemingly have nothing in common, but after a year of chance encounters, begin to think the universe may be telling them something. Dungeons and Dragons-obsessed Reggie and emotionally bottled-up Delilah meet for the first time on New Year's Eve and again on Valentine's Day and on random occasions throughout the year. They're drawn to each other, though they are each too insecure to be their true selves. So what happens once they realize they've each fallen for a version of the other that doesn't really exist? Author Elise Bryant. This is a sweet and funny romantic story in which the characters learn to overcome their fears and discover who they truly are. I hope readers enjoy going along on this ride with Reggie and Delilah and maybe learn something about themselves along the way. Reggie and Delilah's Year of Falling is now available wherever books are sold. Spring is in the air, and now's the time to spring forward with a delicious breakfast from Burger King, an all-natural Simply Orange juice. Begin your day with a sausage, egg, and cheese with sandwich with sizzling sausage, fluffy eggs, and melted American cheese on a toasted croissant, or a bacon, egg, and cheese biscuit on a warm buttermilk biscuit. And make it a meal. All Burger King breakfast sandwiches go great with crispy hash browns and pair perfectly with a Simply Orange juice with no added sugar. Never sweetened, never concentrated, and never frozen. Simply Orange goes perfectly with breakfast at Burger King and is rich in vitamin C. And now through March 31st on the BK app, Royal Perks members get a free single croissant sandwich with any Simply Orange juice purchase. Use code BREAKFAST to redeem. Get a jump on spring with breakfast at Burger King. Because you rule. At participating U.S. Burger King restaurants, Royal Perks account required. Restrictions apply. See offer terms for details. Not valid on delivery orders. Sponsored by Coca-Cola. Steven. Who said that? Me. Down here. <gasps> what are you, a yellow booger? I'm a banana slug, Steven. Well, uh, what are you doing in my room? I'm your sense of adventure. Don't you remember me? Don't you know that we miss you? Miss me? Who misses me? You know, all your friends in the forest. The trees, the pond, that little fort that you made out of branches. We all miss you. Mom took me to the forest last year. I'm a slug, Steven. It took me a long time to get here. Oh, I guess that makes sense. This forest is not that far away. Have an adventure today. I'm sure your mom would take you. You're right. I should get out. I want to have fun. 
playing puddles, catch frogs, and climb trees. Hey, Mom! Yeah, hon? <gasps> Stephen! What is that in your hand? It's my sense of adventure, Mom. It's telling me we need to get out of the house and have some fun in nature today. Come to the forest where the more adventurous you lives. Check out discovertheforest.org for cool places nearby. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service and the Ad Council. You know that feeling? Like every door is closing and you just can't see a way out? Being unemployed, underemployed, or just out of school feels a lot like that. But when you find the right tools, suddenly everything just clicks. Getting on that path may be easier than you think. A good place to start? Go to findsomethingnew.org. At findsomethingnew.org, you have access to resources that help develop new skills. Skills that will position you for careers in today's growing industries. From healthcare and manufacturing to cybersecurity and alternative energy. Plus, you can take advantage of online courses, certification programs, apprenticeships, and more. So you can take yourself from unemployed and uncertain to empowered and prepared for what's next. Find your path to a new career today. Visit findsomethingnew.org. A message from the Ad Council. I was in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean when it happened. There was a sudden jolt and our submarine crashed on the seafloor. We were in total darkness. That's Dr. Dejana Figueroa, a marine biologist and STEM teacher, talking about a deep sea dive she'll never forget. It's funny, when I was a kid, I was afraid of the ocean. And there I was, two miles below the surface. But as a scientist, you prepare for that. Using our training and a little creativity, we fixed the sub and finished our experiments. The dive was just too important. Every dive gives us glimpses at things few people ever get to see. Blowing creatures, fiery undersea volcanoes. When we got back to the surface, I kissed the ground and called my mom, of course. But you know what? I wouldn't trade that dive for anything. Dr. Figueroa uses her passion for STEM to discover new things and make the world a better place. She can STEM, so can you. Check out She Can STEM for more stories and inspiration. A message from the Ad Council. Welcome back to the Alan Nathan Show. I'm your guest host today, John Hayward, Deputy National Security Editor of Breitbart News, singing in for Alan while he's on assignment. You can find my work at Breitbart News, Breitbart.com, and you can find me on Twitter at DOC underscore zero. And we were talking about the Environmental, Social, and Corporate Governments Agenda, or ESG, and President Biden casting a veto to protect it. There were the Republicans in Congress had gotten a proposal through Congress, the House and the Senate had signed off on it, and it would have repealed some of the rules, wouldn't have gotten rid of ESG entirely, but it would have repealed some of the rules that make it possible to force companies to comply with ESG regulations, and President Biden vetoed it. And when he did that, one of the reasons he said he was vetoing it was supposedly to protect retirement accounts, which is kind of funny because that's one of the reasons to repeal ESG. It jeopardizes investment funds. It causes them to be invested and spent in an ideological way rather than a good business way to where ideology is the top concern. And then you think about return for your shareholder and so on. And that's the kind of thing that causes banks to explode and bring retirement accounts down. So repealing it would have been protecting retirees, not, not keeping it. But beside that, there is something so morally hazardous, so repugnant and alarming about this idea that the government now has an official ideology and it will force you 
to comply with it. It will force you to spend your money in accordance with that ideology. Retirement funds, well, the, that money was accumulated by the people in the retirement fund over the course of their lives. They've made payments into this fund. They've got this nest egg that they're counting on. However, they did it. It's, it's their money. And here's a set of rules that say the people managing that fund must invest the money in accordance with the official religion of the state, the ideology of the state, which is ESG and everything else tied into it. I mean, basically every bad idea people are rebelling against right now, all the acronym ideas, critical race theory, CRT, transsexual indoctrination in schools, racial hiring quotas, all that stuff can ultimately be folded into ESG. It's like an umbrella idea for the whole woke agenda. And that's an ideology that a lot of people don't agree with. I mean, some people do, but a lot of people find that ideologically uh, repugnant, morally repugnant. They don't agree with it. And here they are being forced to spend money to support it. And that was one of our founding fathers' working definitions of tyranny. That was one of the ways they defined a tyrannical government. It was tyrannical to force people to spend money to propagate ideas they disagree with. I mean, pure and simple, that's tyrannical. And nobody would have any problem understanding that in the slightest if this was a conservative program. If ESG had been formulated by conservatives, you know, let's say we're in an alternate universe, they're all our age these days, multiverses, alternate universes. Here we are in the alternate universe where the Republicans have had control of the White House ever since Ronald Reagan. And along the way, the family values guys, Dan Quayle winds up being the president or something. And uh, so here comes this new idea that they're going to have people investing money in accordance with family values ideas to support strong family values. That would argue be a far better investment than ESG, even to accomplish the goals ESG set for itself. I would submit, and I think a lot of people from that era would say, that if you strengthen family values, if you strengthen the nuclear family, if you promote the kind of moral morality behavior, a code of ethics that leads to strong families having lots of children and supporting them, you know, and, and reducing illegitimacy and so on, the benefits for everything ESG purports to care about would be fantastic. You would have more money, you would have more prosperity, you would have more people getting good educations, loving homes, backing them up all the way. Families would be accumulating property across generations, which would make them richer. That would dilute racism. Any real racial discrimination that anybody's suffering would get much less so in a time of prosperity and commerce. I mean, strong argument could be made for all of that. But if you propose that in this alternate universe, I guarantee you that Joe Biden and everybody else that currently supports the ESG ideology would be howling at the moon, screaming that it was unspeakable tyranny for the government to force people to invest in accordance with its family values agenda, this conservative right wing. Wow, it could be a church could be involved. It could be religion could be involved here. They, they would lose their damn minds over something like that. And at, at heart, they would have this much of a point that, yes, it is tyrannical to force people to spend money to support ideas that they may not agree with. The problem is that the people on the left only think that's an operative concept if it's not their ideas. Once it's their ideas, they say, oh, no, 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 no. See, this is totally different. Uh, this ESG stuff, this is a, a scientific fact, dude. Uh, this is the only right opinion. You're not allowed to disagree with any of this. There is no moral objection to our beliefs because they're absolutely right and no good person could possibly disagree with them. So you see, we're not tyrants 
by forcing you to spend your money and make investments in accordance with our agenda. Uh, global warming? Well, we just talked to the high priests of climate change the other day, and they issued their updated doomsday projections. All their old ones are, are null and void. They've been scrubbed off the internet. There's a, a funny scandal swirling around where some of the old predictions that the Earth was doomed by 2023 are being deleted, because that obviously didn't happen. But the uh, climate cult has its new doomsday predictions. The high priests are quite certain that this is it. Uh, we're at the point of no return. So you have no argument against that part of ESG, the environmental part. There is no debate. The debate is over. Science is settled. And if you say, well, no, it isn't. Here's proof that it's not settled. And here's my counter argument. Uh, shut up. You're not allowed to argue with this. You have to spend your money. We will spend your money. We will take your money away and we will spend it in accordance with that agenda because there is no good faith disagreement. And doesn't anybody get, I mean, doesn't everybody understand that's how every tyranny in history has functioned? That's the way it always works. Step one to becoming a tyrant is to decide nobody's allowed to disagree with you. That's pretty much the definition of tyranny. And most people who become tyrants are not mustache twirling supervillains uh, who do it because they're evil, 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 and they like hurting people. It's because they're convinced they're right. And nobody can possibly disagree with them in good faith. Everyone who disagrees with the agenda of the tyrant must be a subversive, a saboteur, a kulak, a no-goodnik. They, they must be subjected to struggle sessions. Their minds must be made right. Every tyranny from the beginning of time to now to today's obvious tyrannies all operate under that theory. If you listen to Vladimir Putin talk, the president of Russia, and you hear him talking about why he invaded Ukraine and what he plans for Russia and why nobody's allowed to disagree with him and why anybody who questions the invasion of Ukraine belongs in jail, which is what they do with him over there, uh, he's going to say exactly what the ESG people say. I hate to make it so blatant for you guys, but he's going to sound exactly like you. He's going to say, there is no disagreement with me. I'm absolutely right about this. No patriotic Russian can possibly disagree with my crusade to denazify Ukraine and my special military operation. So there is no need to allow free speech or free action or dissent or media organizations that don't toe the party line because those people are wrong. And there's no reason to let people who are wrong speak. That's the same mindset behind critical race theory, ESG, all of these umbrella ideas that are being forced on us. The people pushing these ideas have asserted that no one's allowed to disagree with them, that they're absolutely right, and that you have to spend your money in accordance with their ideas. And it doesn't matter if you disagree or not. The ESG agenda affects a lot of investment funds where the individual people that put the money into the fund have no connection to any of this. They just put their money in there. It's the fund managers, the bank managers, the administrators that are being handed ESG folders and sent to training seminars and brainwashed and told that they have to comply with this agenda. And if they don't do it, there will be penalties and regulations and so forth will be assessed against them. So these are the guys calling the shots with your money. And if it's a retirement account, well, you put your money in there your whole life. And now it's being shanghaied and used to purport this ideology that you don't agree with. You know, you, you, you weren't asked. Your opinion is irrelevant. This is being done to you because you don't have anything to say about it. We're getting more and more of that in our society today. That is the story behind the education revolution. Parents are rising up in this grassroots pushback against this crap their kids are being taught in schools, critical race theory, trans fascism, all the, the activism and stuff. And what is the response when the parents speak up and say, I disagree. I don't want my kids subjected to this. I will teach them about sexuality. I don't want them indoctrinated into an ideology I oppose. What's the response from the educational establishment. You don't have the right to disagree. You're not educated enough. You don't have the right credit 
credentials. So in other words, they're saying the same thing the ESG mavens do. You can't disagree with us. We, the great and the good, the educated professionals of the education department, i.e. the incompetent idiots who have left us spending a fortune on education with the worst results in the world to show for it. I mean, they can't teach kids to read and write, but they've decided what they need to know about sex and education and, and uh, sexuality and critical race theory and American history. And you parents, they're the people who gave birth to them. You don't have a degree. You don't have qualifications. You don't have credentials. So you're not allowed to disagree with us. You don't have a place at the table. We didn't even ask your opinion before we decided your kids were going to start going to drag queen story hour. And your opinion is not welcome now. You have nothing to say about this. In theory, you're still a free citizen of a republic, but in practice, you're being told that your kids, they belong to the state. We've made the decision for what they need to know and what they need to think. And you're just not qualified to argue with us. Where's your credentials? Where's your degree? You don't have one, so shut up. That's the answer that you increasingly get. Consensus has been reached. The science is settled. The moral judgments have been made. The judgment of history has been rendered. And not only are you not allowed to disagree, but you have to pay for all this. You have to go along with it. You have to fund it and finance it. You have to surrender your kids for indoctrination because all of these choices have been made for you. Why does anybody have any problem seeing that this is exactly what every tyranny on earth, past, present, and future does to its kids, to its people to its society. No difference between Putin's Russia, communist China, and what the left is doing in America today. They all believe the same thing about how a people should be governed. They just disagree over what the ruling party is supposed to be doing. I'm John Hayward, sitting in for Alan Day. We'll be right back with more of The Alan Nathan Show. In December, LastPass, a popular app for managing passwords, suffered a security breach, potentially exposing millions of people's personal information. When a business created to protect passwords gets hacked, it's a reminder how vulnerable our sensitive information can be when stored in the cloud. And for businesses who need to protect data, security is a top concern. To help prevent security risks, the open directory platform provider JumpCloud recently introduced a password manager, JumpCloud's Antoine Jabara. Businesses cannot always rely on an offline solution as users need to share and access passwords across multiple devices and cloud-based options aren't ideal either. JumpCloud Password Manager takes a hybrid approach, storing data on users' devices and seamlessly syncs user vaults to multiple devices in an end-to-end encrypted way. This addresses some of the limitations of cloud-based systems and bridges the gap between convenience and security. To learn more, visit jumpcloud.com. Vitamin B12 is important for supporting not only our metabolism, but also our energy levels. Our brain and our nerves need certain vitamins like B12 in order to function properly. Even if you're eating all the healthy foods like fruits and vegetables and getting you know great sources of protein, it's sometimes the case that you can become deficient in one or more nutrient, and that's where supplements can be helpful. So if you wanna support your B12 levels, Jaro's Methyl B12 is a great supplement to consider to optimize your B12 levels. This type of B12 is recognized by the body, so it's delivered to your cells more efficiently. It's also been shown that it is a great way to make sure that you're getting a highly absorbed form of vitamin B12 and one that's gonna be retained better than other types of B12. You can learn more at jaro.com. If you came across someone struggling with hunger, how would you recognize them? By their clothes, 
their age, the way they speak. Would you notice a 16-year-old boy who got, got his, his first, first job, job, not for extra spending money, but to help feed his little sisters? Or a mother who's in between jobs and sometimes goes to bed hungry so her kids can have dinner? Or a 14-year-old girl who signs up to every after-school activity not to make friends, but just to get something to eat? Or a retiree who fell ill and had to choose between getting medicine or groceries? I am the one in eight Americans who struggle with hunger. People you pass by every day but never knew were hungry. I am hunger in America. Hunger can be hard to recognize. Learn why at IamHungerInAmerica.org. Brought to you by Feeding America, 200 Food Bank Strong, and the Ad Council. My name is Judy Teeter, and I'm the mother of three boys. My youngest, Joe, was a great kid. He loved sports, music, and his youth group. One day, Joe asked me to drive him to an after-school event, which was about a mile from our home. I was driving through a green light when a car in cross-traffic ran a red light and drove right into the side of our car, killing Joe. The driver was talking on her phone, so she never even saw the red light. She was so absorbed in her phone call. Before the crash, I didn't realize just talking on a cell phone while driving was so dangerous. Now it's something I think about every day. According to the National Safety Council, about one in four car crashes involves a cell phone. Hands-free is no safer. When you're behind the wheel, put away your phone. For Joe and for the thousands of needless deaths every year. Remember, there is no safe way to talk on a cell phone while driving. Find out more at nsc.org slash callskill. I'm Ben Affleck, and I want to thank you for joining me and supporting Paralyzed Veterans of America. Our vets need you. I'm a quadriplegic. I'm definitely at risk with my diminished lung capacity. I have MS. I'm in a wheelchair, and I can't leave the house because I have a compromised immune system. I'm very concerned about would there be a bed for me? Would there be a ventilator for me? Would I be able to survive something? It's, it's just heavy. You know, it's, it's a heavy... It's a heavy moment. This is a war. This really is. Our veterans fought for us. Let's fight for that. I am so grateful for the PVA. They're making sure that we have all of the food and supplies that we need right now. We all got to help each other right now. We can't get through this by ourselves. It's with profound gratitude that you're going to be saving our lives. To find out how you can help, please go to helppva.org. That's H-E-L-P-P-V-A dot org. Welcome back to the Alan Nathan Show. I'm your guest host today, John Hayward, Deputy National Security Editor of Breitbart News. You can find my writing at Breitbart.com, and you can find me on Twitter at DOC underscore zero. But besides the ESG proposal being vetoed by President Biden to protect the program, we also have more inflation news coming out. It's not good. Inflation's still running wild. So more interest rate hikes may be on the way to control inflation. And this is one of those things where the smart people that run the government think they can use interest rates to control inflation and vice versa. But the net effect on the rest of us is that we get clobbered. It's like uh, Godzilla fighting King Kong and we're all getting stomped on in the middle of it between the price of everything going up through inflation and then interest rates uh, clobbering us from the other direction, hard to get a house, hard to get a car, killing our savings. It's, it's just rough on the little guy right now. And it doesn't seem like anybody cares about the little guy anymore, especially not the small businessman. Here with us to talk about it is Kurt Couchman, Senior Fellow in Fiscal Policy at American 
Americans for Prosperity. Welcome to the Alan Nathan Show, sir. It's just good to be back with you, John, and Americans for Prosperity definitely cares about the little guy. That's why we're here. I, I, I'm glad you do, because all we see right now is giant feet stomping on us. We keep hearing about billionaires and their adventures and travails, and nobody cares about us anymore, especially not people that are entrepreneurs, small business types. They're just getting obliterated by everything from high gas prices to interest rates, and they're not even in the discussion anymore. Nobody in Washington even talks about them. Yeah, unfortunately, the political culture seems to be running away. I mean, it doesn't uh, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to realize that uh, the government is supposed to be working, working for the people, not the other way around. But there's this entrenched culture here where it's sort of uh, serving itself, and we're seeing the Biden administration trying to advance that into people's personal savings um, by letting asset uh, managers uh, just kind of choose their own adventures about what they want to do with other people's money instead of doing their job, which is to provide a maximum return for the people that have spent an entire life working and saving for their own retirement. Now, I was just talking about that before the break, how this is morally objectionable to force people to spend money for ideologies when they were just saving for their retirement. And I also fear that this is a step towards just flat out seizing all these retirement accounts. I've heard lefties talk about doing this for decades now. Some of them just daydream about the day when they can just seize the 401ks because they can't just let all that money sit there and not have the government just outright take it. Right now they're controlling it, but are we getting closer to them just taking it? Well, why do you need to take it if you can just have people that see the world similar to how you do, you know, direct other people's money into the kinds of causes that you and they care about? I mean, if people with retirement accounts want to support those environmental, social and, you know, governance goals, then they can do that with their own money. But it's not appropriate for the asset managers whose job is to get as high returns as possible on behalf of the people they work for to make those decisions for them. Uh, I mean, there's a principal, and that's the owner of the funds, and there's the agent. The agent works for the principal, not the other way around. And it looks like we might be headed for another interest rate hike, possibly, and that's going to be unpleasant. It already is tough on people, and keeping the interest rates cranking up is going to have some profound impacts on things like big-ticket purchases, loans, home ownership in particular. It's it's already very difficult for people in a lot of areas to buy property. It's going to become darn near impossible if the interest rates keep soaring. And this is all the only choice they say they have to keeping inflation under control, because otherwise inflation blows into orbit and nobody can afford anything anymore. Yeah, I mean, the Fed, uh, the Federal Reserve is meeting and they're poised to announce what they're going to do with the interest rates tomorrow. Um, the conversation seems to have shifted from people predicting either a 25 basis point or a 50 basis point increase, so a quarter or a half percent increase, to no change or maybe a quarter percentage point. Um, but the, you know, if they don't increase the interest rate, then that's a sign that the banking sector is in much worse trouble than we had expected. And if they do increase the interest rate to uh, continue trying to fight the inflation that they uh, inadvertently unleashed, um, then that's also a problem. So they don't really have good options, except if Congress would only reduce the deficit, reduce the debt, then the Federal Reserve would be able to shed the debt, the federal debt that it owns faster. And that would also reduce the money supply and bring down inflation but there's no talk about that because there's very little hope that Congress is going to do much on the deficit right now. 
When President Biden vetoed the ESG reform bill, the Speaker of the House, the Republican Speaker of the House, Kevin McCarthy, said that Biden sided with woke Wall Street over workers and that he wants Wall Street to use your retirement savings to fund his far left political causes. This is such a turnaround for people old enough to remember the, the golden days, the oldie days of the 1980s. We were told that big companies were all in the pockets of evil Republicans and they're greedy big businesses and they're out to get us. And it turns out they're actually all political operatives of the left. They've all been taken over, infiltrated, controlled by the left. And between their own board members and rules like ESG, they're being forced to do the left's bidding. And it's, it's absolutely killing us. I don't want to say that all big business is in the pocket of the left, but those that would be inclined to go along with that agenda are the ones that would take this ESG rule um, that the Biden administration wants to allow and run with it. Um, you know, people that are not on the political left would actually just do their job and uh, try to provide maximum uh, return for the owners of the retirement assets. So this is really, it is, the rule is intended to give a green light to the people that would give, uh, that would do the things that the Biden administration would like to see. But again, it's, it's using other people's money. And it's not just, you know, for their own goals. It's for the esteem. Like these, uh, some of these money managers, they run in elite circles and they want the esteem of others, including the political class here in D.C. So there's a lot of different things going on. But the point is that the managers should be serving their customers, not serving a political class that is not representative of the people that they're supposed to work for. And if that's the way it's going to work from now on, it doesn't seem like the Republicans, like conservatives, are very well equipped to play that game because they don't have prestigious awards and esteem to dish out. They don't control official Washington. They don't control the bureaucracy even when they win elections. They don't have cultural institutions like that. So if you were a big business guy and you maybe were thinking of being more aligned with the Republicans, what could they offer you to compare with what you'll get if you play ball with the left? I mean, the, the simplest thing is just you're doing the right thing. You're, you're taking care of your customers. You're taking care of your workers. You're not trying to force things down their throat. Uh, it's sort of the simple um, ethics of the American people that you're consistent with. And there's a lot of business people that want to do that, but they're facing intense pressure all the time from the regulators. I mean, the financial sector, uh, there's a million different regulatory tendrils that reach into that and change people's incentives to get on board with, you know, kind of the D.C. progressive agenda. And so we've got to be thinking about how do we uh, disentangle the market from politics so that there isn't so much infrastructure available for an activist administration like this to grab onto and push people around. Where does the public stand on all this? The midterm elections were such a strange data point because everybody thought the public would vote against all this, but they didn't really. Well, elections are a complicated thing with a lot of different things going on, so that would take a whole other segment to even start to scratch the surface. <laughs> and alas, we don't have time for that. Thank you so much for joining us. Kurt Couchman, Senior Fellow in Fiscal Policy at Americans for Prosperity. I'm John Hayward, sitting in for Alan today while he's on assignment. Thank you very much for joining us on this hour of The Alan Nathan Show.
The opinions you hear on the Main Street Radio Network are those of the host, callers, and guests, and not necessarily those of the station, Main Street Radio Network, its management, or advertisers. The information on the Main Street Radio Network does not constitute a recommendation, offer, or solicitation to buy or sell any product or securities. So please, consult a professional before investing. If you have any questions or comments about Main Street Radio Network, contact us at 703-719-0433 or at our website, MainStreetRadioNetwork.com.